Well, good morning, everyone. So today's the test to see if you know the words to the song, apparently. We're having a little bit of technical difficulty, but if you'll stand with us, we were made to worship. Hopefully we remember how. <clears throat>
Suddenly articulate With a thousand tongues to lift one cry Then from north to south And east to west We'd hear Christ be magnified Were the whole earth Echoing his eminence, his name would burst from sea to sky, from rivers to the mountaintops, we'd hear Christ be magnified. And oh, Christ be magnified. Let his praise rise, Christ be magnified in me. Oh, oh Christ be magnified from the altar of my life, Christ be magnified in me. When every creature Finds a sin most melody, and every human heart is native crime. Oh, then in one enraptured hymn of praise, we'll see Christ be magnified. Oh, be lifted high, Jesus, and Stand strong and worship you. And if it puts me in the fire, I rejoice because you're there too. I won't be formed by feelings. I hold fast to what is true. If the cross brings transformation, then I'll be crucified with you. Because death is just the doorway to resurrection life. If I join you in your suffering, then I'll join you when you rise. And when you return in glory, all the angels and the saints, my heart will still be singing, and my soul will be the same. Oh, Christ be magnified, let his praise rise. Christ be magnified. Altar of my life, 
Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning. Welcome to Northside Baptist Church. What a beautiful day. Amen. My God is good. Uh, it's been a busy weekend, and I'm going to reference that at the beginning of my sermon. So uh, we'll talk about some of the stuff that's going on uh, yesterday and then tomorrow. Uh, but man, God is good in, in the midst of, of all of that, and He is so faithful, so kind, so generous. Welcome to uh, Northside Baptist Church. We are so thankful that you're here. Uh, this is your first time with us. Welcome. Uh, you are our guest, and we are delighted to have you uh, this morning. We want to serve you, help you, minister to you any way that you can. Inside the bulletin is a place for you to fill out so, uh, some information about yourself. Uh, there's a box that you can put that in on the way out. There's also a place for you to mention some prayer requests. If there's a way that we can be praying for you as a staff, we want to we want to pray for you. So don't hesitate to let us know. I'm going to ask you to do me a huge favor, and that is read every word that is in the bulletin at some point today. There's a lot of announcements, a lot of things coming up. Let me just highlight just a couple of them that are not in the bulletin, uh, just as a reminder. So tonight, our adult Bible study is going to meet at 6 o'clock in here. Youth are meeting, it says 5.30, is that correct, BJ? Five? Six. All right, so our youth are going to meet at 6 o'clock in the activity room. Our adult Bible study is going to be in here. There are no activities for our children tonight. Awana finished last week. Um, and so our youth and then the adults, if you come to Bible study, if you don't come to Bible study, you ought to come to Bible study. Uh, it'll, be, it'll be a blessing. You learn a lot. David does a phenomenal job teaching that class, uh, and you will gain a lot of insight from God's Word. Let me also say to those of you who are coming to our new members class, um, right, that is right after the service. So if you'll just make your way into the fellowship hall uh, at some point after the service, uh, give us a few minutes. Uh, and then and then we'll be in there and we'll have pizza. Um, if you are thinking about joining, you've been praying about that and you haven't had a chance to, to do that yet, uh, just let me know and, and we'll set up another time uh, for you to be able to do that. So that's right after the service. So next weekend is a big weekend. we got a lot going on. And one of the things, that the primary thing we have going on is our debunked conference. And so Chris is going to come, make an announcement about that, and then we have another video for you right after that. So I met Carl Kirby 10 years ago, 2011, at a conference in Orlando, Florida called the Proof of God Conference. And there were a lot of great apologetic speakers there, but he stood out because he was bold and dynamic and easy to understand. But most importantly, he was very substantive. He had a lot of good insight, good things to say. So I, I, I fell in love with him. He was my favorite speaker out of everybody there. And, uh, and next week, I know that you're going to benefit greatly from him. If you're like me, uh, you're somebody who wants to know what you believe is right. You want to know how to defend it. You want to know how to live it out practically. And you want to be bold in sharing it and proclaiming it. And he's going to, that's going to be his focus about us being bold in uh, defending our faith and proclaiming it out to the lost world. So one final video kind of to promo it for next week. It starts off Saturday morning at 7, 7 a.m. Men's, men's breakfast, and then starts Saturday night and then all day Sunday. Hi, Carl Kirby with Reasons for Hope. Can't wait to be with you guys. I would like to encourage you to go to our website, r 
F-O-R-H.com to get more information about what we're going to be doing. But I can tell you this, when we come, we make it simple, we make it straightforward, and we deal with real world issues. So if you are struggling with your faith, if you've got friends that are struggling with their faith, come, bring them. I love to just engage folks, so come early, I'll be there. Engage me in question and answer because we want the body of Christ to be encouraged. We want those that don't know the Lord Jesus Christ to know that they can trust Him and His Word. So, I hope to see you soon. Make sure, check us out at rforh.com. Father, our desire this morning the very words that we just sang, and that is that Christ would be magnified. That Christ would be magnified in our worship, in the preaching, that Christ was magnified through Sunday school, that Christ will be magnified in our new members class, that Christ will be magnified tonight with youth and our adult Bible study, that Christ will be magnified next week with our debunk conference and all that's going on. Lord, it's that in every single decision in everything we say and everything we do christ this is about you because nothing else matters god you have saved us and redeemed us you are good you are gracious you are merciful wonderful merciful savior as the choir will sing in just a few minutes that is who you are and so father we just want to stand in all of that today be glorified today we pray in jesus name Amen. Let's stand together as we work.
us hunger for Jesus Christ, don't we? Let's stand again as we continue. Praise Him, praise Him, Jesus our blessed Redeemer. Remain standing, if you will, please, and take your Bibles and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We're going to be looking at verses 16 through 18. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18, as we continue this morning to think about Paul's words that we do not lose heart. This is the word of the Lord. Verse 16, so we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen, for the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. You may be seated. Earlier this week, I was reading through 2 Corinthians in my daily Bible reading time, and I came across chapter 6, verse 10. And, and there's moments that you read something and you think, have I ever, I know I've read that before, because I've read through the Bible, but you just haven't noticed it. And so this is what I read, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 10. It has been very fitting uh, this weekend. Paul writes this, as sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. As sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. And maybe think of Romans chapter 12, 
verse 15, which says, Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Pastors get to do that. We get to rejoice and we get to weep. And this weekend, I get to do both of those things. Yesterday, I got to rejoice. And you all got to rejoice as we celebrated Lindsay and Kenneth uh, getting married. And when they first came up here, uh, and she, she complimented me afterwards. She said, wow, you didn't cry like I thought you would. I was like, man, I was fighting it. I was fighting it. Uh, but when, when they first got up here, they were looking at me for the first little bit. And, and you saw her smile all day long. Man, it was just infectious. And, and can I just brag on God for a moment? Because I know she was concerned about the weather. It rained in the morning, about 5 o'clock after they were gone, it came a downpour. But guess what it didn't do during the wedding? It didn't rain, man. God just was on display. He was showing his, his glory. And so I got to rejoice. And then late Thursday night, I got to weep while also rejoicing with Larry and Angela as I went over and spent some time with them as her mom, Miss Ruth, had just passed away. And tomorrow at 11 o'clock, I want to encourage you to come if you can. We're going to meet in here, and, and we're going to have a celebration of life for Miss Ruth. A visitation starts at 10, but at the same time, though in the loss of a loved one, you know because of Jesus you can rejoice, there is, there is sorrow. And, and that's where we live, folks. We live in, in this space where Paul says, sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. And, and sometimes unbelievers, many times unbelievers, they can't figure that out. How can you, in the midst of suffering, still smile and have hope? It's because of the promises of God's Word. And I want to show you a few of those things this morning as we look at this. We're just going to go verse by verse, verse 16, then verse 17, then verse 18. Here's what I want you to notice from verse 16. It'll be on the screen. Verse 16 is teaching us that God brings about inner transformation in the midst of outer decay. That God brings about inner transformation in the midst of outer decay. Look what Paul says, verse 16. So we do not lose heart. And then he says these words. Though our outer self is wasting away. That's the decaying part. Our inner self is being renewed day by day. That's the inner transformation part. So the outer self is wasting away. That refers to your body. Paul had just said we are jars of clay. We have this treasure, the gospel, and jars of clay. That we are earthen vessels the hardship of life takes a toll on these old bodies, as does the aging process. Anybody relate? Your outer body is decaying. I, I was just talking uh, to somebody just a minute ago. I had to leave right before we started singing. I drink coffee every morning. I'm going to have to stop drinking coffee on Sunday mornings. I just can't go to the bathroom every time before I got to preach, right? We know the older we get, things start happening. Look, before I came here, I spent eight and a half years pastoring a church right outside of the villages in Florida. At the rehearsal dinner, I was talking to one of Lindsay's friends, and he was like, well, where'd you guys come from? And I said, well, have you ever heard of the villages? His immediate thought was, oh, that's the retirement capital down there, isn't it? It's like, yes. We would go into a restaurant, and I'm not making this up. We would go into a restaurant, and we would be the only young family in there. Everyone else was 65 and older. And if you went to an early dinner, you definitely weren't finding any other younger people in there. And I cannot tell you the number of times I had people say to me, they were talking about their ailments or their doctor visits, and they would say something along these lines, this is what you have to look forward to when you get older. 
Like, when you would say, hey, what do you got going on next week? They would check their calendar. And their calendar revolves around doctor's appointments. We get older. And when you get older, your body begins to decay. And it's as if the Apostle Paul is saying, listen, I can't see. And I can't hear the way I used to hear. My memory is not as good and my joints are getting stiff. And every time I look in the mirror, I see more and more wrinkles on my face. Church, we have to come to grips with this. Denying the fact you're getting older doesn't make it less true. Right? We're all going to get older. We're all going to age. And one of the hardest things for us, not only do we have to deal with the fact that we don't remember things and we can't see as well and hear as well, but we also have to come to grips with the fact that we lose some independence. And it's hard to get there. But Paul is telling us our outer body is decaying. But then he gives us some good news. Our inner self is being renewed day by day. The inner self refers not to the physical, but not, not your physical heart, but it's talking about the spiritual, right? The eternal part, the part that you can't see. What you can see is falling apart. It's fascinating. The older you get, your health does this, right? Spiritually, the older you get, the longer you walk with Jesus. Your spiritual life doesn't do this. It continues just to go higher and higher and higher. And the longer you walk with Jesus, man, the sweeter that fellowship grows. Our inner self, Paul says, is being renewed. That means to restore, to bring back. Paul is far more concerned about what happens to him spiritually than he is what happens to him physically. And here's what Paul recognizes. He recognizes that God is bringing about inner transformation, this inner renewal, even in the midst of outer decay. And therefore, he says, you don't have to lose heart. And he goes on to say more in verse 17. And in verse 17, what I want you to notice is that Paul describes his afflictions and then tells us what those afflictions are doing. And I want you to pay very close attention to what he says about his afflictions. Verse 17, For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Paul says, for this light momentary affliction, that word's going to be on the screen, affliction. I want you to notice that word. It's just going to be there. It means trouble, distress. Paul speaks of his affliction eight times in the first eight chapters of 2 Corinthians. He writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8. Listen to his words. We were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. Now, listen to some of the afflictions that Paul went through. If you have your Bibles, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 4 and 5. Pay very close attention because he's about to describe these afflictions that he experiences. But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way by great endurance in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger. Now flip over, if you will, to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And again, Pay very close attention, beginning in verse 24. Five times, not once, not twice, not three times, not four times, five times, I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys, in danger, look at this, in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers. Man, danger surrounded this man. 
in toil and hardship through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. And apart from other things, there is a daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Did you just hear all that this man endured? Not hundreds of men endured this. One man experienced all of this. How does this man describe all of those afflictions? Verse 17. For this light affliction. That word light means light, not heavy, not burdensome, easy to endure. Paul describes all of these dangers as light. How would you describe your afflictions this morning? Would you use the word light? I don't know if I would, if I had suffered all that he had suffered. But he's not done. He calls them light afflictions. He then says momentary. Again, this will be on the screen. Momentary afflictions. That means temporary, a short period of time, not long. Temporary nature of the event or state. Would you describe your present afflictions as brief and momentary? That's what Paul says. Now, how in the world can Paul describe all of his sufferings as light and momentary afflictions? Because he understands what they are doing in him and through him. We, can, we continue. He tells us what they're doing. He says these light momentary afflictions, they are preparing for us. That word preparing means to accomplish, to cause, to make ready. Notice, uh, notice what is preparing for him. He says, preparing for us an eternal weight of glory. Look at the screen, glory. He is contrasting affliction with glory. Affliction with glory, the word glory is doxa. It means splendor, greatness, literally signifying weight. His affliction versus glory that awaits him. And then he says this about this glory. It is a weight of glory. He contrasts weight with light. That word weight means the exact opposite. It means very great, implying importance and value. Paul is speaking of a tremendous glory, glory that awaits him. And then he also says this, for us an eternal weight of glory, momentary, contrasted with eternal, meaning an unlimited duration. The joys of heaven are eternal. Amen? They are eternal. No interruption, no night, no cessation, no end. And, and then he says this, they are preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Beyond all comparison is a Greek phrase, uh, hyperbole upon hyperbole. Now we don't say hyperbole, but it's very similar in the way it sounds. It's talking about a hyperbole upon hyperbole. And a hyperbole is an exaggeration. Do I have any exaggerators in the building? Anybody that when you tell a story, you exaggerate just a little bit. I'm married to one. <laughs> she don't do it intentionally, right? She just, you just exaggerate. They say pastors exaggerate, right? The, the size of the fish that they caught or whatever. We tell our little pastoral stories. We exaggerate. Instead of 100 in church, we had 200 in church, right? So what Paul's saying is, it is preparing for me this eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Hyperbole upon hyperbole. An exaggeration. It is beyond all beyond. It exceeds all limits. It is far beyond all comparison. It is to a far greater degree as to what God is preparing us for in glory compared to what we have now. Now, check, look at the screen. The reason Paul can describe his sufferings as light and momentary 
is because he's comparing them with eternity. Our afflictions are for now. They are not for the age to come. That's how Paul can look at his present suffering and say, ah, this is just light and momentary affliction. It's all good. Hodge writes, it was only by bringing these sufferings into comparison with eternal glory that they dwindled into insignificance. As I was thinking about this affliction being light and momentary, I began to think of a woman that many of you have heard of. Her name is Joni Erickson Tata. Joni is, is alive today. She was born October 15, 1949. I imagine that was a, an amazing day, her birth, like it is for most people. On July 30, 1967, at the age of 17 years old, she dove into the Chesapeake Bay. The problem is she had misjudged the shallowness of the water. And at 17 years old, she became a quadriplegic. It has been 50 Three years since that day. 53 years. 53 years is a long time. Anybody want to argue that? It's a long time. It seems like a lifetime. But compare 53 years to 100 years. 53 years to 500 years. 53 years to 1,000 years, 53 to 10,000, 53 to forever and ever and ever. That's why Paul can say it's light and momentary. And Joni, because of her faith in Jesus and her testimony, has understood that. And she has written book after book and shared her testimony countless of times that in the midst of a wheelchair and in suffering, she can still say, my God is good and my God is great. Because of God's mercy, even in the midst of outer decay and suffering, church, God is still working in us and he is sanctifying us to be more like Jesus. And this brings us to verse 18. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Verse 18 is teaching us that this inner transformation in the midst of outer decay is not automatic. It is not automatic that as your body decays, you are automatically going to be transformed and renewed inwardly in your spirit. So if the renewal is not automatic, then where does it come from? Look at verse 18. You can look at the screen because I've highlighted the keyword. It says, as we look. Say that word with me. Look. Say it with me again. Look. That's the key. As we look. It means to notice carefully. To keep thinking about. To let one's mind dwell on. To look, not just with your eyes, but to fix our minds upon these things. So church, what are we to focus on? What are you focusing on? And once again, Paul gives us a contrast. He contrasts the eternal with the temporal. The, the, the eternity with the earthly. So look what he says. And this will be on the screen again. Some words highlighted for you. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient. Right, The things that we can see are transient. The physical world. What we can see with our eyes. Now we know people are eternal. You can see people. We know people are eternal. We know that everyone is going to spend eternity even either in, 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 with Jesus uh, or in hell apart from Jesus. We know that God is making all things new. 
We know that God is created, and so he's going to take his creation, he's going to make it new. But when we talk about the things that we can see, right, we're talking about the trivial things, the things that, that we hold so much importance and value in, but that in an instant are gone. Anybody a little more anxious last night when the storm came through than you were about a month ago? You can't help it. I mean, I drove right down there. Many of you have been down there. The pictures don't do it justice. In a split second, the stuff that people had worked their entire lives to accumulate is gone. And by the grace of God, not one person lost their life in the midst of that. You wouldn't believe that driving through there. You think there's no way these people survived. And all of them survived. No one died as a direct result of that storm. God's grace. But it's a reminder that all of this stuff that we see can be gone in an instant. So what does Paul say? Don't look to the things that are seen, right? He can. If you go one more slide for me, Alex. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. The New Living Translation says, For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. If we can't see it, then it means it's not physical. It means it's spiritual. The Apostle Paul understood that there was a glory that awaited him. and He didn't know when that glory would come, but while he waited, he turned his face from the seen, the troubles, to the unseen. John Piper writes this, God might offer you all the glory in the universe to keep you from losing heart and to renew your soul day by day. But if you never looked at it, nothing would come of it. Let me read that for you again because I think it's really good. God might offer you all the glory in the universe. He could offer you everything to help you not lose heart, but to be encouraged, to renew your soul day by day. But if you never look at it, if you never turn to Him, never open His Word, never see what He has done for you and His Son, right? you will never be renewed. Nothing will come of it if you don't gaze upon Jesus. Paul looked to God and the things of God to strengthen them during his affliction. He knew God was using his suffering to prepare him. He understood that suffering was producing something in him. So hear me this morning. The decaying of your body is not meaningless. You don't have to fear your body decaying because God's promised you a new one, a much better glorified body. The pain, the pressure, the frustration, and afflictions, they're not happening in vain. They are producing for you an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. God is doing something in you right now. So prize and treasure the promises of God. Fix your eyes upon the eternal. Choose to see from an eternal perspective rather than an earthly one. Listen, you, you got to make that choice. How are you going to see things? From what lens are you going to look at them? John MacArthur says, Endurance is based on one's ability to look beyond the physical to the spiritual, beyond the present to the future, and beyond the visible to the invisible. So let me ask you a question. What is God doing right now in your life? How is God using your afflictions to prepare you? How has God used your afflictions to get you to where you are right now? So just a, just a couple things briefly that affliction can do, and these aren't on the screen, just three thoughts. Afflictions cause you to depend less upon the things of this world and more upon God. I found myself this weekend depending upon God more maybe than normal. And I hate to admit that. I mean, I should depend upon Him that much all the time. 
But I found myself in the things that are going on is just to depend on Him more and more, to cry out to Him more and more. Afflictions cause you to depend less upon the things of this world and more on God. Afflictions can be the very thing that brings you to the point where you cry out for salvation. I wonder how many of you are saved because of an affliction, because of pain, because of something that was going on in your life that caused you to fall to your knees and cry out, Jesus, save me. Jesus, help me. Affliction can be the very thing that causes us to turn to God for salvation. Or for the believer, afflictions may be the very thing that leads you to confess that unrepentant sin. That sin that has led to the fact that now you're dealing with the consequences and you don't like where you are and you've got affliction because of your disobedience, affliction could be the very thing that brings you back to God walking with Him. And afflictions cause us to see what really matters. The eternal things of God. As I close, let me share a quote with you from one of Joni Erickson Tata's book. It's a book called A Place of Healing, Wrestling with the Mysteries of Suffering, Pain, and God's Sovereignty. Now there is a lot just in that title alone. But here's what she says. She says, that's when it hit me. My wheelchair was the key to seeing all this happen. Especially since God's power always shows up best in weakness. She says, my wheelchair was the key to seeing all this happen. So what was she talking about? What did the wheelchair enable her to see that she hadn't seen clearly before the wheelchair? She said this, that God's desires must become my desires. And what are God's desires? I think she lays it out perfectly. She writes that the gospel go forth. That the kingdom be advanced. That the earth be reclaimed as rightfully His. That the lost get saved and that His glories be made known. Church, you will have mountaintop experiences in your life. Moments of great joy like we got to experience yesterday. And in those moments, you can still live for the glory of God. You can live to advance His kingdom and to make sure that God is reclaiming what is rightfully His, that the lost gets saved, that His glories be made known. But even in your valleys, in the lowest points of your life, when you don't understand and you are perplexed, those things can still happen through you. Paul says we do not lose heart. Afflictions and suffering will come. Times of chaos and confusion will come. But church, hear me, they are preparing for us an eternal weight of glory. So until that day comes, may we suffer well. May we never lose heart. May our eyes be fixed on Jesus. And may we proclaim His death and His resurrection until He comes. Where afflictions are light and momentary. But He is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory. Would you close your eyes and bow your head? I'm going to give you a moment right there where you are just to spend some time in prayer. You know, maybe maybe you're, you're here this morning and you're an unbeliever and you're lost and, and you're like, listen, I don't, I don't understand how you Christians can have joy in the midst of pain and suffering and, and you want that and you're curious about that. Listen, I can tell you what it is. It's, it's Jesus Christ 
exclamation point. It's Jesus. That's it. We have no other explanation than Jesus. And if you want to know more about that, I would love to take some time to share that with you, to be able to sit down and share the gospel with you. If you're watching online, I would love to be able to share the gospel with you. Maybe this morning you would say, hey, look, I'm a believer. I'm a Christian, but I'm struggling to find joy. I'm struggling right now in my life, and I'm struggling to lose heart. Would you just reach out to somebody? Would you just right now cry out and say, God, help me? God, strengthen me? God, God, use this to prepare something in me. Whatever it may be, have your way in my life. Maybe you just feel overwhelmed by the circumstances of life. Maybe you're just you're grieving something or you, something's burdening you or you're concerned about the country, the world, or whatever it may be. Would you just spend a moment in prayer? And then I'm going to... I'm going to pray for you in, in just a couple moments. Father God, we come to You. Oh God, You know our hearts. You know our thoughts. Lord, when we can't articulate them to You, when we struggle to find the words, You know, God. Every step of our life, You've been there. There have been moments we have been looking for it and we see it clearly. And there have been moments, God, when in our rebellion we were not looking for it. And yet, God, you, you've been there. You are the one constant in our life. We are your sheep. And you are our shepherd. You are the way, the truth, and the life. You will never leave us. You will never forsake us. You will never abandon us. In the joys of life, in the highest of highs, and in the lowest of lows, You work all things according to the counsel of Your will. Father, comfort. Comfort Your people right now. Strengthen them. Uphold them. Oh God, be merciful and gracious. A sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. We thank you for the promise that we have in your word. And God, we want to give you all the praise and the glory for you are good and you are worthy of all that praise. And we ask all of this in the precious, mighty name of Jesus Christ. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.